Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55, 11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode. I started this podcast almost two years ago because I love the Word of God, and I firmly believe, just like the verse in the intro segment states, that the Word of God is powerful, and as the Word of God goes forth, God is going to accomplish His purpose in our lives and through our lives through the Bible. And so that's why I started this, and that's why I'm so glad that you are on this journey with me. We've been going through the parables of Jesus. Now, if you haven't listened to at least the introductory episode on the parables, I encourage you just to hit the pause button, go back and listen to that introduction episode on the parables of Jesus. That's going to give us an understanding of how to approach the parables. What are they? How do I interpret them? What are some important understandings for me to have to know what Jesus is saying. So I encourage you to go back and and listen to that. It will also help you understand my approach as I'm teaching through the parables. Now this episode, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So if you're in a stationary place and are able to have your Bible in front of you, Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be. If you're in the car or somewhere listening to this on the go, don't worry. I'm going to be reading all the passages as we go through them. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus brings out several parables that allow us to see a glimpse of the Father's heart in regards to sinners. I want us to understand in this context of these parables what a sinner is. So let's let's define that. A sinner in this context is a person without Christ. It is any person who has not yet received the glorious gift of salvation. And so once were we all, right? We were all at one point in time without Christ. But if you're listening to this and you have received Christ as your Savior, we are no longer burdened by sin, but we have been set free by the blood of Christ. And so for those of us who have accepted Christ, we're going to look at these parables and we're going to be able to just experience some praiseworthy moments because we're going to understand the Father's heart towards us before Christ. Now, if you're listening to this and you have not received Christ as your Savior, let me tell you that the Father's heart is for you. And that is what I want you to get from this episode and from these parables. The Father's heart is for you. You are important. You are loved And that is for all of us, a thing 
worthy of praise and worthy of glory, that the Father, the creator of the universe, loves us so much. Now, we understand he loves us so much that, right, he sent his son. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died so that we could be saved. And this is going to give us a little glimpse behind the curtain of why the Father did that. Why would he go to these depths? Why would he go to these lengths to save us? Well, that's what these parables talk about. We're going to start out in the first three verses of Luke chapter 15. Now, this is not a parable, but it's going to set up the parables and why Jesus tells us these stories in Luke chapter 15. The first three verses say this, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them, Jesus, in response to what the Pharisees and scribes said, he began, he told them this parable saying. Now we'll get into this parable in just a minute, but I want us to understand the context behind these parables because the theme of parables and this is true for every parable that we're going over in this in this study the theme of the parables is determined vastly by the context of the verses preceding in most of the parables we're going to see something is happening Jesus is asked a question or an occurrence that takes place and so then Jesus goes into a story and so here, that's exactly what we see. Something happens, something is said, and so in response to what is said, Jesus tells a parable. And so what, what was said? Let's, let's look at the context here. Right, we see that the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him. Right, the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him. He did not turn them away. Right. That's why he's here. He's here to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus is not turning them away. And the Pharisees and the scribes see this and they begin to grumble. They begin to grumble. This, this grumbling, I want us to understand, was not an isolated or a quiet grumble. The definition of this word and, and the declension or how the, the Greek word is built shows it to be a loud and constant complaining. So here, here, here's the scene, right? Jesus is here and the tax collectors and the sinners were coming to Jesus and Jesus was not turning them away. And so the Pharisees and the scribes, those who were supposed to be the ones close to God, those who called themselves the people of God, they began to grumble loudly and constantly complaining because Jesus was allowing these people, these untouchables, to come near him. And so they say, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, th this man, when they say this man, that is a derogatory term. They are mocking Jesus because of what he is doing. They are degrading Jesus because he is allowing these tax collectors and these sinners to come near him. He said, this man receives Jesus continuously. And we look, we see this throughout the ministry of Jesus in the gospels. And we see this in the ministry 
of the church throughout church history over the last 2,000 years, right? Jesus receives and continuously receives and continuously made the choice to include these people in his life. This man, they say, this man receives and eats with them. Jesus got close. These tax collectors and sinners that were coming, Jesus got close to these people. To eat with someone in this culture, it spoke to fellowship. It spoke to a certain level of intimacy, a certain level of, of, of closeness. And this is what Jesus, this is how Jesus was interacting with these tax collectors and sinners. And so the Pharisees, the religious people saw this and they mocked him and they complained and they grumbled. What is our response to sinners? We're just going to go ahead and like hit hard right from the beginning, right? What is our response to sinners, to those in darkness, to those who are lost? Do we, do we see ourselves as, as, as the hands and feet of Jesus and we are receiving these people and we are eating with these people and we are loving on these people or are we like the Pharisees and the scribes and grumbling about how these people are lost and how they don't know how to act? Jesus is concerned about our response to sinners because he wants us to respond with compassion and with love. And that's exactly what we're going to see in these parables. Now, the theme of these parables that we're going to discuss this episode is to give us a glimpse of how the Father sees the lost. And I want us to remember from the introductory episode, an important part of, an, of interpreting a parable is to insert ourselves into the story, right? So let let us start there as we look at these parables, and we're going to see different perspectives. As we insert ourselves into these stories, we're going to see different perspectives in these parables that Jesus t- talks about. We're going to see the perspective of the seeker, the one who is searching, right? the shepherd, the woman, the father. All those terms will make sense as we read these parables. We're going to see the perspective of the lost, particularly in the prodigal son. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the perspective of the spectators. So three perspectives that we're going to see through these parables that Jesus brings out. The perspective of the seeker, the one who is seeking the lost thing. The perspective of the thing or the who that was lost. And the perspective of the people surrounding, the people who are looking and watching what is going on. So, so let's dive in. Right, Let's go. Verse 4 through 7. This is the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. So Luke 15, verse 4. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. 
Or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins, this is verse 8 through 10, the next parable. What woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So let's look at the perspectives that we see in this parable. Right? We see the perspective of the shepherd. The shepherd knew the sheep. The woman knew the value of the coin that she had. The shepherd knew that one sheep was missing. The one did not get lost amongst the 99. Now, now, hopefully you're able to draw the parallel there, right? The seeker, the shepherd, the woman, they knew the value of what they were looking for. And they knew that what they were looking for was worth spending time looking for. They knew that one sheep was worth leaving the 99 to go look for. The the, the woman knew that the value of that coin was worth spending her time and her energy looking for. They knew the value of that which was lost. Another thing we see is the shepherd went after the sheep and the, the woman searched for the coin And I I love this word that is inserted into these parables. They searched until. They did not stop. They didn't have a time frame. They didn't have uh, limits. They searched until they found. They searched until they found. And once they found that which was lost, once the shepherd found the sheep, once the woman found the coin, what did they do? They rejoiced. And they did not rejoice alone. They did not rejoice alone. They were excited. What do you do when you're excited about something? Right? You tell people. You call up a friend. You you send a text message. You post it on Instagram. You, you do something to tell people, hey, this happened. I am excited. I want you to celebrate with me. I want you to rejoice with me. And that's exactly what the shepherd and the woman does when they find that which was lost. They rejoice and they call their friends and say, hey, rejoice with me because I found that which was lost. Now, I want to go back to verse 10. Because there is a, just an interesting, interesting nugget here in verse 10. I don't remember exactly where I heard this. This is, is not original. I, I heard it on, on, on some preacher uh, online, but I, I love the perspective. Verse 10, in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Let's pause there. In the presence of the angels. Who is there in the presence of the angels? It is God, right? God is there in the presence of the angels, right? So there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Who's the one rejoicing? Obviously, yes, we the angels are rejoicing, but but I love this, this perspective in verse 10. It is God who is rejoicing, right? It is the Father. It is Jesus. It is the Holy Trinity coming together and celebrating that, hey, that we have found another lost soul. Another lost soul has come home. Let the picture form in your mind of the father being so excited that he's telling the angels around him what just happened. I can just imagine he's he's sitting on his throne and, and he says, hey, hey, Gabriel, Gabriel, come, come over here. I have something to tell you. Hey, hey, Gabriel, we, we got another one. We, we found another one. Another lost soul just came home. 
right? The excitement, just, just picture that. That was the moment when, when you gave your heart to Jesus, when you decided that, hey, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. The Father rejoiced over you, and he still does. Now let us continue on to the next parable, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, this is a little bit of a lengthy read, but I'm going to read it all because I want to make sure that we understand uh, this parable. Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they begin to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Now, there's so many things we could say about this parable, but I just want to break it down into the perspectives of the characters in this parable. We see three perspectives. We see the perspective of the rejected, hurt, concerned, yet forgiving father. We see the perspective of the rebellious, lost, repentant son. And we see the perspective of the spectator. In this case, the older brother. And in this case, he wasn't happy. So let's look at the father, the perspective that we see of the father. Right, He gave his inheritance early. When, when, when do, typically does someone receive an inheritance? Right, it's, it's when you die. If you have an inheritance to pass along to your children or to, to someone 
right? It typically happens when you die. And so this son, he wanted to live as if his father didn't exist. He came to his father and said, hey, 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 dad, I, I, want, all, I want all my inheritance. I just want to live my life without, without you. And yet this father never stopped loving, never stopped waiting. I, I love how we see when the son returns home, when he decides to return home, that, that phrase that Jesus brings out, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. That tells us that this father never stopped loving and never stopped waiting. And that tells us that our father in heaven never stops loving and never stops waiting for us to come home. This father felt compassion. And this, this word for compassion in the New Testament, when we see it, it's, it's a very strong word. It, it literally means to be moved in the inward parts. To, right? we, we would kind of feel like we feel it in, our, in the bottom of our heart. Right? I love you from the bottom of my heart. Right? But the, the, this compassion, it's, it's this, this deep, powerful sensation that you can almost feel physically. This compassion he felt for his son. What did the father do? The son returned. This father forgave. And this father celebrated. He did not belabor the point of this son's sin. right? He did not say, hey, you shouldn't have done this. Shame on you. No, he simply forgave and celebrated. Do we see the correlation to our heavenly father? While we were yet sinners... He sent his son to die for us so that we could be saved. He never stops loving, never stops waiting for our return to him. When he sees the lost, he is moved in the inward parts. When he looks at lost people, the compassion that he feels is so strong. The compassion is deep. The compassion is real. Now let's look at the son. We see the perspective of the son, right? The son, he left the security and the provision of home. He squandered it all. He didn't even go and invest any in, uh, on Bitcoin, right? He squandered it all. Well, maybe investing Bitcoin at this point is squandering it. I don't know. I don't, I don't follow it that much, right? But the, <laughs> the point is, right, he squandered this inheritance. He took this inheritance from his father, and he went and he squandered it all. And when he came to his senses, he came back willing to lay down his sonship. He's like, Father, I don't even deserve to be a son. I don't deserve to be called your son. Just, just let me be a hired hand. He came back repentant. Right, I have sinned against heaven, is what the son said. And with a realization of his unworthiness to receive anything from the father. That's the perspective of the son. How about the perspective of the older brother? The older brother didn't see the power of grace and forgiveness. The, 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 the father saw his son. The older brother saw the unworthiness of the son's actions. The father saw a repentant son. The older brother saw a worthless fill in the blank. So lessons for the repentant sinner. The father is waiting. That's what we see here, right? The father is waiting for you to return. 
And I love this point here. Your worthiness is not a factor in your salvation. Your worthiness is not a factor in being saved. Notice that the father completely ignores the statement from his son. His, his son came and said, hey, hey, dad, I've sinned against heaven. So I, I'm not, I know I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm not asking for that. I just want to come back as a hired hand. The father didn't even reply to that. He's like, no, 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 no. He, he went straight to celebrating. He ignored the statement. Your worthiness is not a factor in your salvation. Why? Because there's nothing that you bring to make you worthy of salvation. Jesus has declared you worthy of salvation through his blood, through his sacrifice, through what he has done for us. He is the one who has declared us worthy because of what he has done. So what lessons do we see from these parables? What lessons do we see from these parables, these sinner parables, as as they are titled? Lesson number one, people are the prize. People are the prize. People are, are the prize of the Father. People are the prize of the Son. Ephesians 1.18 says this. This is a prayer that Paul is is giving to the Ephesus church and he's praying. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I love this verse because this verse tells us what inher- whose inheritance are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus's inheritance. What is his inheritance? It is us. It is people. It is those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. People are the prize. People are the reason he came. People are the reason that he lived. People are the reason that he died. People are the reason why he is still, even today, at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us because he understands that people are the prize. You are the prize. I am the prize. We see the value of the lost. Right, the shepherd, he knew what we what he had in that sheep who was lost, and so he searched until. The woman knew the value of that coin which she had lost, and so she searched until. The father knows the value of every lost soul. And so he is searching and he is working in the hearts of men and women until. Because People are the prize, and the lost have value in the eyes of the Father. Third point here under lessons, we are not a means to an end for God. We are the end. We are the goal. We are the prize. We are that which he is longing for. Right, we're, we're not just some tools in this great cosmic play that God is in. No, we are not the tools. We are the end. We are the prize. Do you understand your value to the Father? Do you understand your value in the eyes of God? That he would work all throughout history to show us his glory because his glory is that he wants you. 
and he wants to spend eternity with you. Do you get your value in the eyes of the Father? That's what I want us to get from these parables is that we are valuable to God. And in the eyes of God, we are worth everything. And that's why we can read in Philippians that Jesus gave up the glories and the riches of heaven to humble himself even to the point of dying on a cross, an absolutely humiliating death, because you were worth it, because you are valuable. We are not a means to an end for God. We are the end. We are the goal. We are the prize. Now let's go back to the beginning of the chapter and just kind of bring this full circle as we as we bring this to a close. The Pharisees and scribes grumbled about the lost. Jesus sought them out and showed them the way to the Father. You see two responses to the lost. The Pharisees and scribes grumbled. Jesus sought them out and showed them compassion. What is our response to the lost around us? What is our response to the lost around us? Now, I am a, I'm a bit of a, of a fantasy nerd. Um, sci-fi, that whole deal. And there's, there is a term that really has come, uh, kind of come out through the years in these fandoms, particularly Star Wars. And it's uh, lately in the, the Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings, Jarrah, Tolkien world with, with the introduction of Amazon show Rings of Power. That's the term gatekeeper. And it's this idea of these people who have been fans of this show before you were, they feel like they get to say what is and what isn't. Whatever, you know, let's, you know, Star Wars. Oh, that isn't Star Wars, right? That's a crappy story. And so we have these, these gatekeepers in these fandoms that say, hey, no, you're, you're not a real fan. You're not a real fan. And my concern, my concern is that many of us in the church have become gatekeepers to the gospel. We have somehow felt entitled in and of ourselves because, oh, we've been saved for X number of years and we've done this for the Lord and we've done that for the Lord. And so we feel that it entitles us in some way to respond to the lost in a way different than Jesus. Right, we look at we look at society, and boy, and and we look at all the sin and the darkness and 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 the perverseness that is in culture, and and we get angry and we get quote righteously indignant against these people. And when when Jesus is is sitting on his throne and he's feeling compassion and his heart is breaking, are our hearts breaking for the lost, or are we looking at them as the ones who are ruining culture for us? Unfortunately, I think too many times it's we are like the Pharisees and scribes and we're grumbling about the lost. We're grumbling about those who are walking in darkness. We're grumbling about how they're destroying culture and we're grumbling about how they are wrecking this country. And all the while, Jesus is on his throne weeping because he wants us to show compassion to the lost. 
And so I encourage you, don't become a gatekeeper. Jesus said that he was the gate right here. I am the gate. I am the door. We're not the door, guys. We're not the gatekeepers. Our job is simply to respond to sinners just like we see in these parables. We respond with compassion. We respond with understanding what Jesus is telling us here in Luke 15. And that is the lost have immense value in the eyes of the Father. So let's pray. Father, will you help us to understand how important lost people and how valuable lost people are to you? And may we become participants in this this great journey and this great adventure that you have given us to help you seek out lost people because they are valuable to you. Help us not to become gatekeepers and help us not to think that we have any right to decide who can and who can't and who should and who will and who won't. But may we live our lives simply with the compassion of the Father shining in us, shining through us to a world that is lost, to a world that is dying, to a world who is in need of the love of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.